and welcome to Ask Nikki Novo. In this show, I'll be performing live readings for our listeners. Plus, we'll be exploring pop culture through a spiritual lens as I read the energy of celebrities and trending stories. It will be the best reading these celebrities never asked for. Get your heart ready because you're about to receive spiritual guidance for your everyday challenges. Hello there, beautiful souls. I'm so honored to be here with you for another episode of Ask Nikki Novo. Thanks for asking me back. (laughs) We have some fun questions about friendships and money today. Plus, on today's hot hit, we answer your big question about Elon Musk. Is he a bad guy or is he a good guy? You'll have to listen to find out. Here's our first question. Hi, Nikki. My name is Shelly. I recently made a career pivot at the beginning of this year, and it's been a journey. And now I find myself kind of reevaluating my relationship with money. My career shift is definitely moving toward a place where I'm not making as money, much money as I did before and kind of feel like I'm getting into a scarcity mindset around uh, material wealth and finances. And I was just wondering if this is temporary or if there's some guidance around how I can release this tension with money. I would really appreciate it. Thank you. Hi, Shelly. Thank you so much for your question. Money is on all of our minds. So we're so excited for this question. And I am just so excited to share what came through. As I look at your energy, Shelly, I was being really brought down to the bottom chakra, which is the root chakra, the first one. And it was telling me a story. (laughs) It was actually telling me the story of money and Shelly and ancestors and all this stuff. And it seems like in the past or your last work or the last kind of phase of wealth and accomplishment was really about proving myself to heal my ancestral wound around security. So it looks like this last career or maybe kind of this last milestone that you just hit was about really creating security for yourself, which was such a big deal. And it had a lot to do with clearing those ancestral wounds around what it what it means to be safe. And this was something that you worked towards and that you were very proud of. So congrats to you, beautiful work. This phase that you're moving into does not erase all of the work that you did. And it's a continuation of the healing, not something completely different. We want to look at what you just came out of and what you just accomplished as level one when it comes to money. And level one is really about survival. So you really learned to survive and nothing will knock you over. You were like that tree that all the other trees fell down during the hurricane, but like you stayed stayed grounded in and you learned that skill, the skill to survive and that will always be with you and will not be taken from you, which means like you will always survive which is a beautiful thing. And that was level one. Now we are moving into level two and level two is about abundance and joy when it comes to money. So this is really beautiful. You're moving into this next stage of understanding money and wealth and resources and what that really means. 
But this time, instead of just surviving, it's like, can I survive? But can I also add abundance, joy, fulfillment? So these like higher vibrational feelings and values when it comes to money. The next message I'm receiving is what you are most afraid of right now is not so much whether this is going to work or not work. You're actually afraid of reevaluating what abundance means to you. So this material wealth or these material objects are really coming up to the forefront and looking at you in the face because this is a moment to inspect your relationship with the materials. But you're afraid to do that because you're afraid that if you really dig deep into kind of what your relationship is with these materials, do I need them? Do I not need them? What do they mean? Are they important? You're afraid that that's going to mean that you're giving up on wealth altogether. You're afraid that you're going to be selling yourself short. You're afraid of like going too hippie almost and being like, well, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter. But at the same time, if I, if I don't aspire for those things, am I going to keep growing? Am I going to, you know, continue to have wealth? And you're really being asked to remove the ego out of wealth. And that is not about whether or not you're going to have materials or not. You're, this is like actually the only way you're going to get more wealth and whatever material you decide you need. So this is really a moment of reflection and it's not to take away your Louis Vuittons or whatever you're into, right? It's not to take that away from us. It's really about taking the power that these things have over us away so that you can have more freedom to truly expand when it comes to wealth. So don't be afraid to ask yourself, what do I really need? Do I really need this right now? Does this really mean anything? Uh, What does this mean to my self-esteem? What does this mean to my identity? Don't be afraid to go in and journal about that. Ask yourself those questions because just because you look at that and start to have discussions around it does not mean it's going to be taken away from you or that it's not, you're not going to have it, but you need to have freedom from the hold it has over you in order to truly expand. So it's like, we can't get to the bigger wealth without looking at this attachment and this kind of like ego relationship to the material. So again, not taking anything away. Really, it's about eliminating the ego from this relationship. The other message I'm receiving is that you're jumping from your inner knowing to the external pressures. So inside, you know what you're doing and why you've made this career shift. Like you have, it seems like there's a bigger vision that you have this bigger vision, a bigger goal. There was a bigger reason for doing this. And you know that. And if you're feeling a little unclear on that, or maybe you don't really know the full vision right now, this is a great time to go and look at that vision and start mapping it out. It looks like it's like a three-year plan to me is how I see this, meaning that you have like this vision that will probably take about three years. So it's a good time to write that out, to just write out anything that has to do with this vision see if you can find some sort of path, you know, like some sort of steps like, okay, first I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. 
they might not all show you all the same time, but it does look like there is a focus and a vision that you're working towards. And this is truly like a time for focus on that vision. And that's really all that's important is to stay within that inner knowing and understand that, yes, it your inner knowing may not match your external for a while, meaning where you know you're headed may not show up in your bank account today, right? So where you know you're going may not, you're not going to have the immediate deposits for where you're going. And just because that immediate deposit is not happening does not mean that you're not on the path for wealth. And that's what you're going to have to keep telling yourself and you're going to have to coach yourself through this. This move on your end really feels like an athlete training for the Olympics, let's say. So sometimes those athletes, you know, they're training for four years. All that's all they're doing for four years, you know, making no money, doing nothing else, only for that one little game or, you know, that one little thing they're going to do at the Olympics that takes seconds or minutes. It's not even like a long time. And that's what this seems like to me, that you are going to kind of dig in for the next few months and year or so in order to see this bigger vision and get that gold medal and get that big win. So you have to stay very focused on your internal knowings and forget about the external. This is definitely an investment path. So think about an investment path, right? Investment is meaning I'm I'm okay with not seeing return right now because I know that I'm going to see return in three years. So I don't care if I'm you know not able to go to restaurants or whatever it may be right now because I know where I'm headed. It's like uh, maybe somebody who's in medical school. Like yeah, I know I'm going to study nine years to become a surgeon, but after those nine years, you know I'm going to have a surgery practice and I'm going to do well. So it doesn't really matter what happens these next nine years or whatever that may be. So this is definitely an investment path that you're taking, but it's also a smarter path than the one that you were on. Your last path was very transactional. You know, it was very much like, I do this, I get this, I do this, I get that. But it, it felt very hamster wheel to me and very short term. This is putting some hard work for a certain amount of time to then reap the benefit of a very smart vision. It does seem like it's an unpaved path. It looks like you are paving this path. So another scary part is that you may doubt yourself and wonder if this is actually going to pay off because I've never seen it before. Nobody in my family has done it before, something like that. There's something different about your path. But Shelly, like you're smart. Like you got this. You've done hard things before and you're such a badass for being so creative and going outside the norm. So stick to that vision. Really be protective over what external information comes to you, meaning be protective of your media, be protective of your, your relationships. You might not be able to let too many people in for the next few you know months or years or whatever it may take because you're an athlete right now that has the headphones on, you know, right before the swim meet and you nobody can really talk to you right now because you're so you're so focused on this vision. So you need to protect yourself from anything that may take you off path. I see that meditation can be very helpful, so just 
you know, if you don't have a meditation practice, working your way up to a meditation practice, meaning you start off with five minutes and 10 minutes and try to get to 20 and 30 minutes eventually, where you can learn to sit and hold focus for long periods of time, because that's going to help you stay on path and stay focused on your bigger vision. I also see breathing being helpful for you. So when you get a little nervous, when you get a little anxious, really being able to breathe through it, you do have some ancestral wounds about security and like fears of that, uh, fears of, you know, not of what people might think of me. It's very minimal. It looks like you've worked through it a lot, but it's still a little there. So you're going to have to kind of breathe yourself through that pain, you know, that little discomfort that shows up and be like, okay, I'm going to breathe my, like breathe my way through this. So breathing looks like it'll be very helpful as well. But to answer your question, Shelly, this does not, does not look permanent. It looks like you know what you're doing. It looks like that your internal compass and your vision is going to be the thing, you know, vision matched with action towards that vision, of course, is really what's going to bring you to where you've always known you're destined to be. Hey, Nikki, thanks for opening this opportunity. Um, My question is about a friendship. I have been best friends for almost my whole life since I was five years old with somebody. And over the last year or so, um, I have just really felt like she has drained my energy. Uh, And this has gone on at certain points during our 30-year friendship where I have felt really drained by her. But it's been really strong in the last like six months to a year, I guess. Um, And I just kind of want some guidance on how I should move forward with this friendship. Part of me um, kind of just wants to move away from this friendship, even though that feels sad because we've been friends for so long. Part of me wants to remain in the friendship, but with really strong boundaries, which is kind of what I'm already doing. But I still feel like even with these really strong boundaries, that every interaction we have is just draining me. I like get drained when I even see her name come up for a text message. So just looking for guidance with the specific friendship, how can I move forward? What is the best way for me to move forward with this person? Is our soul contract just over? Do I need to put up stronger boundaries? Do I need to approach her and try to mend the friendship. Just looking for guidance on that. Thank you. Hi, Ashley. Thanks so much for your question. Friendships, relationships, they are complicated. I thought this was a question that so many of us can relate to. So thank you for bringing it up. I think there are many of us who have this kind of friend or a person in our life, and we are asking ourselves the same question. So thank you for bringing this forward. The first thing I wanted to say was when I was looking at your energy, your third eye, which is that energy center, right? Between your two eyes. And it's really our ability to vision, see the future. It's about our consciousness. Like our, you know, it's it's a spiritual center. It was really lit up for you. It was so beautiful. There's so much expanding going on for you. And you've done such a great job of expanding your consciousness and going beyond what was possible for you. So I know this is about the friend, but I wanted to applaud you for really expanding yourself and going beyond what your soul might've thought was going to be possible for you given your circumstances 
for this lifetime. So I just wanted to start off by applauding you. Now, when we expand and kind of surprise our our souls in a sense, meaning that we had some sort of contract this lifetime and we decided to take the AP route rather than just the general class, which is what's happening to you. What happens is that the people in our life might have to change. Our circumstances will change because we weren't expected to take this very expanded route. So it's hard because when that happens, sometimes we lose good friendships or we lose partners because they are not working at the speed that we're working at. And it could be scary. And there can also be a lot of shame about feeling better, quote unquote, than this person. And that is not the case. It's just that because you went into some sort of spiritual path and really expanded your consciousness, you have leaped into another timeline. You asked about whether or not your contract was done with her. And it's not so much that there was a contract. It's just that that path you're on, you have leaped to a higher level path and she is more energetically matched to that other path. So as you energetically leap, so saying, you know, let's say you're vibrating at a seven and that other path you you were on was a four, anything that is not a match to a seven is not going to be able to come along with you. So that is the tricky part about this. I want you to remember too, that this situation is less about her and actually more about you. You upgraded your story. And with that, new characters are going to start to appear and some characters don't fit this storyline anymore. So that might sound great, but how do we not feel shame about moving ahead, right? How do we not feel bad about leaving people behind? How do we not feel conceited or better than? That's not the spiritual way, right? So when we're in the situation, we don't want to be like, oh, I'm better than her. I'm more awake than she is. I've done my work. She is not, because that would actually eliminate a lot of the work that you have done in yourself to get into that thought pattern would actually bring you down from a seven to a five, let's say. (laughs) So we want to stay in that high consciousness expandedness that you've created for yourself over the last few years, but also at the same time, feel good about moving forward. So how do we do that? Number one, you have to realize that there is definitely some codependency in this relationship and there is an enabling of her. So as much as you think, oh, I'm leaving her behind, what's funny is that not only is she holding you back from bigger things that you're about to move into, but also you are holding her back. So in a way, you are both doing the same thing to each other. It just looks different. Right now, by being her friend and kind of, you know, her looking at you and being like, oh, well, Ashley's doing so great and Ashley's this wonderful person. I must be on the same wavelength as her is actually creating this like false identity for her. Like she doesn't really get to see that that she's not in that playing field. Like if you're in the major leagues and she hangs out with somebody in the major leagues, she's going to think she's in the major leagues when really she's in the minor leagues. So she doesn't really get to see herself fully because you're still in the picture. 
And something that I have learned about being in a codependent relationship, being an enabler myself in the past, um, my husband gave me this like really great line and he told me, he's like, you know, you can't steal somebody's rock bottom moment from them. So not that she's gonna, you know, fall apart or anything like that, but we can't, enablers are basically always offering a very safe little net for this person to fall on. So they don't ever hit the ground. They don't ever get hurt because we're always there to catch them. So they don't really get to experience life fully. It's kind of like if I only gave my kids plastic cups for their entire life, you know, they're going to live life being like, oh, you can throw this thing around, it falls, whatever water might spill, but it's all good. And one day I hand that child a glass cup or not even me, maybe a classmate hands him a glass cup. And all of a sudden he does what he usually does with a cup. He throws it up in the air and then it shatters and he cuts himself and he starts bleeding. And he's like, holy crap, I didn't know cups can do this, (laughs) right? Because his mother was protecting him by always giving him plastic. He never really got to be in real life and realize that there is glass. So that is what we do when we are in these codependent relationships and enable the person. And sometimes boundaries are not enough. So if we really love these people, what we want to do is for them to expand or to at least have the opportunity to expand because you can let her see life without you and she may you know, not do anything, but it's the best chance she has to be able to expand. So if we love somebody, we want to give them that opportunity and we don't want to keep saving them from that opportunity or keeping them from that opportunity. Another way to look at it is you deserve to expand. You know, like you have already put in a lot of work, so you deserve the energy of what's in front of you. And in a way, if you keep glitching from seventh vibration to let's say fourth vibration, that's just an example, then you don't get the pureness of really being on a seventh and on, you know, vibrating at a seven. And you deserve that because you've done that work. So also, if you love yourself, you're going to give yourself this opportunity to see what life looks like at that vibration. And as simple as saying, like, I'm going to give myself a year where maybe I don't have contact with this person and see what it looks like for a whole year of staying on that vibration that you have created for yourself. And after that year, You can look at it again and be like, oh, did it really make a difference or did it not? But you deserve that chance to really see the fruit of your labor. Now, as I look at her from a soul, I definitely see that she has a journey in front of her. And that's okay, because I'm sure you had a journey too to get to where you are. But I do also see a kind of a full circling where she, you know, comes back, where you guys like kind of meet again. And there's no ill intentions. I actually see a happy, a very happy ending for her. I see this happily ever after. I have goosebumps. I see rainbows. So this is like going to be a great journey for her, a beautiful journey. And you just won't be there for her. And can you handle that, right? Like, you know, it's hard sometimes. Like you love this person so much and you've been wanting to see them do great. And it sucks that actually for her to have that journey you don't get to be there for her. So in a way, you don't get to see the fruits of that labor of that friendship, which is really hard. 
And that could be something too that, you know, you are just like, I can't believe it. I've done all this work with this friend. I've been there for them. And now they're going to go on this beautiful journey that I don't get to be part of. But in a way, it's the only way for them to have this journey. So just know that she's going to be golden and beautiful, but she does need this journey and she does need it on her own. Lastly, do what feels natural. Now on a day-to-day basis, now that you have to make these day-to-day choices, what feels natural for this friendship? What is the natural cycle of this friendship? Similar to a piece of furniture, right? There are some pieces of furniture that their natural cycle is like, oh, this is supposed to last 15 years. Like this is the kind of furniture that this is. And then there's those cheapy furnitures that we buy for $120 that the natural cycle is maybe two years, three years, right? It's not a 15, 20 year couch, let's say. So tap into the natural cycle of this friendship. And that is really going to guide you also if you're feeling a little concerned with what you might want to do really feel into the naturalness of this. Like what is this relationship naturally telling you to do? Try not to keep it alive or don't, or try not to kill it off. Don't You don't have to make those choices. You can really tap into the natural flow of the friendship and let it tell you what it wants to be. What can happen is that you may naturally just stop talking to each other because that's where it's naturally taking you. So you don't have to, be concerned with keeping it alive or killing it either. And that's what's going to guide you for the days going forward. Good luck. And I'm very proud of you for everything that you have done and just continuing the beautiful work you're doing. It's hot hit time. And today's victim is Elon Musk. You guys asked for it. I'm delivering. So we put out a question to my Instagram, just asking people, you know, what reads do you want and what conversations do you want to have here on our hot hits? And Elon Musk was a big one, which I get, you know, it's like, is he an alien? Is he not? Is he real? What is he? But I was also wondering why so many people were interested and what I was learning was there's just this kind of overall question whether he is a good guy or a bad guy. (laughs) You know, like if the world was a battle, if the galaxies were in battle, is he on the side of the light or is he on the side of the dark was kind of this feeling that I was getting from your question. So what I wanted to do here was I decided to just do a soul reading, which is what I do when I do my one-on-one readings. Like if you ever book a reading with me, I went through that process, which is a little bit of reading energy. So reading the person's energy centers, the chakras, and also going into the Akashic records and looking at the person's soul. So I'm reading him from a soul perspective, guys. And that, I hope you can keep that in mind because I'm not reading him from like the human point. Like I I can't tell you if he has good character or bad character, anything like that. I'm really looking at the energy that lives within the vessel of the Elon Musk body and the Elon Musk name and all that stuff. So it's kind of like if you've ever had like a mediumship reading where somebody's maybe connecting to like your grandmother who passed away, the energy that you feel from your grandmother is like 
in a way only only like the good stuff like there's like this kind of human version of them that has left so a lot of the human stuff is not there so that's what i'm reading and that's what i was connecting with so it's a little different than maybe some of the celebrity gossip that you might be interested in my information is going to be a little bit more neutral I'm going to first start off with my little disclaimer because God knows I do not want to be sued by Elon Musk. Thank you very much. So just a reminder, guys, I have no personal connection to Elon Musk. So please take what I'm saying during this podcast as strictly my opinion and what came through to me as an intuitive download and is not based in fact from what I have learned from Elon Musk or anyone who has firsthand knowledge of Elon Musk. This reading and the information I am sharing is for entertainment purposes only. Okay, let's go into it. I have a bunch of different information, so I'm going to be jumping around a little bit. So let's just have fun. Okay. I start off with a big question. Is he a good guy or a bad guy? <laughs> Which I think is, we're just so funny guys how we kind of want to put people in these categories of like a good or bad. And interesting enough, when I was going First of all, it took me a while, guys, because I was like, this is a hard one. Like, I don't know if I can do this. I was doubting myself. Um, I had to try a lot of different tools to kind of get past myself. And also I was just wondering, you know, I was getting caught up in like good guy, bad guy. And because of getting caught up in that, I was getting like tricked energetically. And it was really tricky in the beginning. And then finally I centered myself, kind of got past that. And funny enough, right when I was doing that meditation, Benny comes into my office, my husband, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm reading Elon Musk. And he's like, did you see this picture of him in the bathing suit? (laughs) And he like shows me this picture on his phone that he was just looking at. And there was something about seeing him like in the photo with no shirt on actually, that really um, centered me and kind of got me out of my head. So that was really funny how that happened. And I also just felt that, I was getting like the permission and the support from the guides to be able to do this because not everybody that you ask me to read, like, will I have permission to do? I do have to ask permission energetically. And in Elon Musk's case, when I was going into his soul's Akashic Records, which is kind of like the library of the information of his soul, I'm typically greeted by a spirit guide or a person's higher self. And in his case, really interesting, I was greeted by like a younger boy. So like an inner child, basically, which I've definitely seen before. So in a way, his higher self is a young boy, which makes a lot of sense, right? Because I I believe he's in his 50s. I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but, you know, the general vibe I get is like, this is like a big kid having to play with all these toys, you know, that has like the ability to to make these crazy toys and play toys. So it was funny that I was I was guided by his, I thought it was an inner child, but it's actually a version of him from another time and another dimension. So is he a star seed? Of course, right? Like this is a soul that is so a uh, textbook star seed. If you don't know what a star seed is, it's basically a soul that has, lived most of its other lifetimes, its other incarnation in other planets. So they identify like highly with these other planets that they're from. And earth may be very new to them. They may have come to earth before and have had lifetimes here before, but it's kind of like saying, um, yes, I live in the US, but I was born and raised in France. So yes, I live in the US and I'm comfortable here. I've been here for 10 years, but most of my life was 
was in France and my family's from France. So I'm going to like really identify with being French. And that's kind of what a starseed's life on earth feels like. Yes, I'm here and I'm doing the thing. I'm in a body. I might have even known earth for a few times, but I'm actually from these other places. And there's a lot of hard things that sometimes starseeds go through or kind of awkward things that they go through being on earth and having to be in human form. And they may even seem like very strange too many times because they don't, they don't really understand earth and they don't really get it. So Elon Musk is so, such a starseed. I don't think I had to tell you that, right? So that was very clear. And actually the inner child, this is where we're going to go weird guys and just kind of stick with me here, please, because I'm trying to give you like the full experience of like what I do. I can't do anything other than what I really am. So I'm going to share with you what I was getting. So I was like, oh, this inner, is this like an inner child? And I was like, oh no, this is like this young start, like this young starseed. So basically a soul that is from some other planet. That's not my place of expertise. So I can't tell you exactly where he's from. And so it kind of looked like an ET type, like it didn't look like a human, like a complete, complete human body. And it was like an orphan boy, basically that like its planet no longer exists or something happened to the planet or it got like lost from its planet. So it's interesting because I think a lot of people are like, oh, is Elon Musk like here to help the collective or like destroy the collective? And I was getting so clearly in the beginning when I was connecting, it was saying like, I'm just a boy trying to get back home. So this is a soul that like, is like, listen, like I'm neutral. I am like neither good nor bad. I'm not like here for the collective. And funny enough, like his purpose really doesn't have anything to do with the collective. It's just that his personal purpose is about getting back home, basically like, you know, having to make a stop in earth in order to get to like where he ultimately, where the soul ultimately wants to get to. And because there's such a strong desire and he's so motivated about like, quote unquote, getting back home, his actions end up like affecting all of us in many ways because of the things that are coming out of him in order to to heal that homesickness that this soul has. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So I thought that was really crazy and very interesting. And it was like so clear. It was like, I'm just a boy trying to get back home. So with that, I wanted to look at his path. Like, you know, is he on path? Is he off path? You know, was there this kind of soul's contract that he's fallen off of or anything like that? And what I was getting was that um, he's a little, you know, he's like off his path. And a lot of what keeps him off path is emotional maturity. It looks like he's in this stage where, and it's almost like, I don't know if this is actually going to happen. Like, I don't know if he can make the leap, but he's kind of like stuck in some sort of like emotional maturity level. And he's like in Prince stage when he's like meant to get into King stage and King stage is Prince stage is like more about me, myself. Like I'm a little, you know, I'm still self-centered, all that kind of stuff. And King stage is like, what is for the greater good? And that's where I think some of us are like, oh, you know, is his purpose part of the collective? And the answer is, is like his purpose is not really part of the collective, but there is an opportunity for him to like upgrade his contract and realize like kind of what his personal purpose has created, you know, like it really gave him this platform and this place in this world. And like, now that I've, my personal purpose brought me here, do I want to upgrade and actually 
use this for the greater good? And that's a question he has not answered yet that the human self has like not fully answered. And when I look at it, it's like, I can't tell if he is going to answer it or not. So he may continue in Prince stage and not move into King stage. And King is when we start to ask, King and Queen stage is when we start to ask questions for the greater the greater good. And he's just not there yet. I do see that like being on his path will actually include collaborations. Like a really good thing for him is to start collaborating. There's a little bit of... Um, I want to play with my own toys, you know, kind of going on with him. And, you know, of course he's collaborating because he has a bunch of employees and people that are putting together like some of his ideas and all that. But this felt like greater collaboration, like with people that are just as, um, that are at his level almost or, or companies that are like, so collabs is, seems like to be like a big thing that will really support him at a soul level and kind of help him get deeper into that personal purpose. It also seems like there's, if he starts to really like move more into his path, it looks like politics is inevitable and not politics, American politics. It looks like world politics. Like if he starts to move into more of a collective purpose, like moving away, not, not just only in his personal purpose, which is like, I'm just trying to get back home. But if he decides to move into more of a collective purpose, it looks like getting into world politics is like an inevitable move. And he's and not so much as a politician, but necess- but more about communication. And this is this is like a stage that would be amazing for him to get into if he gets into like collaboration. He's going to have the ability to help like communication happen between people. But this is like a big ego place for him. Actually, if I look at his throat chakra, he's like a really bad communicator. <laughs> so he would have to kind of go beyond himself here and and expand and evolve. But I think that a lot of us, a lot of our souls are like almost like cheering on this soul, which is really interesting. I think that that's why some of you had the question. So, because it could be a good thing, but it's not why he came here. So that is just something to keep in mind. Um, so I, again, then I looked after his path, I was looking at his purpose and it's again, his personal purpose is just impacting the world, but it's not necessarily a collective purpose. If you guys, here's a little plug. I I teach a purpose class if you're interested and I kind of break down these different types of purposes in case you're interested. Um, It's on my website. So his purpose is to find his way back, to understand planet destruction, which I thought was really interesting. Like there's something in his soul that like is interested in like how planets continue to live and how they die. Um, And that comes a lot from this other lifetime of like this other place that he became like an orphaned to. And also on a personal level, he is trying to be comfortable in a human body. So I would love to know like what his relationship is to his body because it seems like um, it's uncomfortable to be in his body and that his body is almost like a point of it's just like a thing for him is the way it looks like. Obviously he's in the news right now about Twitter. So for those of you who don't know, he was trying to buy Twitter and then um, is like trying to back out of the deal now, but it looks like the deal's too far that they can't back out, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, what's the deal there? And I think a lot of people were uh, in the spiritual community were like, oh, this is where we are asking the question, are you good or are you bad? Because like, why would you want to buy Twitter? You know, is kind of the question. So I was asking about Twitter and what I was getting was 
the reason for that interest or for that purchase was it seemed like almost, it kind of made me feel like when you're in class with somebody and somebody, you all get projects, everybody gets like assigned a different, you know, like paper that you have to write and everybody gets different topics. And let's say you really wanted to write your paper on, I don't know, major, major league baseball, but instead you got stuck with like ballet and you're like, man, I don't want to do ballet. And you're watching your classmate do major league baseball and like totally failing. Like he's sucking at it. He's like not making it work. Like you don't understand how somebody could possibly not make the major league paper work. Right. And all you want is to like grab that paper and write it. Cause you feel like you can do a much better job. So it looked like almost he was looking at like classmates, quote unquote, and being like, how could this, like, I can make this so much better. So a little bit of ego and a little bit of competition and also just like the desire to take on a, this project. So that was really like where that desire came from. It really wasn't political. And there's just kind of this like wanting to do it better. But then it seems that he, you know, he's not the one doing any of this, right? He has tons of people Uh, Like if he takes on Twitter, he's not taking on Twitter, right? His like team is taking on Twitter and like the people he needs to hire and or the people around him. So it actually seems like the people around him that like work with him don't want this project. And that was the beginning of the end, like where like the team didn't want to do it. So therefore, how could he purchase this thing if nobody around him wants to do it? Like they don't want to work on it is what I was getting. And then it looked like as they went deeper into Twitter, Twitter seems to be like a major money pit. And it looks like um, like a facade, like it almost when I was in meditation, what I was seeing was like this really beautiful restaurant from the outside and even like having really nice design. But then you go to the back of the kitchen and there's like rats and it's like gross. So it was almost like it looked a certain way. and But then when you go deep into the books or when you go deep into the business, it was like totally something different than what was being shown. So that's also why there's like this desire to to get out. Okay, so then lastly, I was going through his energy. So again, looking at the energy centers. So I start from the top, which is the crown chakra. And I actually couldn't, and the crown is like spirituality, connection to my beliefs. And all I could see, and it's funny because it's like over your head too, it's over your brain. So of course, I think the biggest interest in Elon Musk is his brain, you know, like what's going on in there. And all I saw was like this connection to the other place. So I wonder, it's like, I would love to know like how aware he is that he is like almost like one foot in this world and one foot in like this other world also. So it almost makes me seem like there's very little differentiating from like the brain from this earth and the brain for the consciousness from this other place that he's in. So there's a constant kind of like, the consciousness is like almost like not of this body and not of this earth is the way that I was seeing that. I wonder how like aware he is of that. The third eye was very lit up. This definitely seems like a strong place for him. Third eye is all about like our ability to vision, see the future, all that kind of stuff. This is very connected to like where he's from. So it looks like, he's from a, like an advanced, more of an advanced planet. Like these are the memories that he has. So he's just kind of like, oh, we can bring that into this world. Like why not bring this into the world? The same way, for example, I just moved from Miami to Western North Carolina. And there's some things about here that I'm like, we're so behind here. Like imagine if we would bring 
you know, I keep thinking like, we need a smoothie shop here. And there's a part of me that like, just wants to open a smoothie shop, right? Like, so it's not so much as like, yeah, maybe a part of me is like, oh, this would be great for the community, but it's kind of also like a person, like a personal thing. Like, oh, I want to bring this. So that's why like his ability to vision is not as humanitarian <laughs> as like some may think. It, a lot of it is like, oh, I want to see this in the world, which is okay. You know, it's just one way to do things. The throat chakra, which is in the throat, this is like my ability to communicate, my creativity, uh, my truth. This is a really hard place for him. It just looks like he's just like not a good communicator. And the way he gets by looks like he seems to have people around him that may not know, but they're like telepathic. So he works well with people who are telepathic that could kind of like pick up on his vibe because he's like not able to like truly communicate. Again, it looks like being in a relationship with him in whatever form would be very difficult. His heart was good. I mean, it wasn't like the most beautiful heart I've ever seen, but it was also not like a scary, closed, bad heart or, you know, hurt heart. It was just very much like telling me, like, I don't get distracted by emotions. Like, which again, I think that this is like the next level of like evolution for this soul is like to start tapping into the heart, to move into King, to ask these bigger questions. But like right now, we're just not there. You know, like that's just, that's just not what's happening. Um, but again, it's not like evil, it's more neutral. So then the solar plexus, which is in the stomach, this is like self-esteem, self-worth, self-identity. What was really interesting here is that what I was getting from here was I don't feel understood. Like I am not understood. Like people don't understand me, but usually you would see that in like the heart, you know, more about like emotions. And this is like being seen in the place where I, where I identify. So this is like how I present to the world, like what my identity is. And his identity is connected to, I am not understood, which is kind of working for him because he is used to not being understood. So therefore it's like, I'm part of my brand is to not be understood, is to do weird things. I identify with that. Like my identity is wrapped up in not being understood. I, I can't imagine being somebody who is understood, which in a way gives him a lot of freedom to do like the wild things that he does and to act the way he does. And also probably in relationship, probably easy to kind of pass things off and be like, oh, well, I've never understood anyways. Like that's just my truth. So I thought that was interesting to find it there. It's not an emotion. It's not like a, oh, I don't feel seen. I don't feel heard. It's more like, this is my brand. So I thought that was interesting. Oh my gosh, his sacral energy, which is right above the reproductive organs. Like if you're a, fem if you're a female body, it's like right above your womb, right? It was like a very active place. <laughs> almost felt like kind of nerdy, but also a lot of energy and almost like the connection to the physical body. And since we know his physical body is kind of like a thing, I'm like this guy for sure. It's like, always having to hook up, um, which Benny, after I did this reading, Benny was telling me that like, I don't know, he has like twins with like, a, with somebody that works for him and, you know, has had like all these different kids and all these different relationships, which like makes sense to me. And I could think that activity was really there in the sacral energy. Very scary. I was like, oh, get me out of here. And then the last center is the root chakra, which is all the way at the bottom. This is like, um, the bottom of our spine. This is like 
uh, money and family and where we come from, all that kind of stuff. It's about grounding and grounding and being present, like was very hard for this being, which is also a very starseed thing. So kind of like not being able to like fully be in there. It almost looks like there's many, there are very few things in his life that he's like very deep in. Even like, I know people obviously, yeah, I know he goes back and forth being like the richest, wealthiest person in the world or whatever. And it almost looks like, like there are a few things that he's like intimately involved in because he can't like ground like super deeply into them. So I was reading that there's some like reports on him saying like, you know, he's not tied to his money and stuff like that. And I, I, I would believe that actually. Um, like I, I felt like that that would be true because um, there's a level of like unattachment. So I, I think it's really not about money for him. It's more about that, that personal purpose that has like brought him to this place where he has, because of the seeking of home, which is like this other planet and these big questions and these big ideas has built like the person that he is. And it was, it's not necessarily about the money or anything like that. So I would agree with that. And that's what I got for you guys. I hope that satisfies your curiosity and it's just what I was getting. I can, I wish I could confirm for you, but uh, I just wonder maybe some of it validates some of the stuff that you've been thinking. Thank you for listening and can't wait to see you next time. I leave you with this blessing, a sacred song written and performed by my dear friend, Lindsay Simsick. This is Clarity. Yeah.